The D2C Growth Show. Hi, and welcome to the D2C Growth Show by Hashtag Paid. I'm Sophia. And I'm Gabriella. And if this is your first time joining us, every episode we sit down with founders and leaders at some of the most exciting D2C brands on the planet. We talk to them about how they started, how they launched, and what they're doing to grow. So I'm super excited because today we're talking to Risha, founder of Good Food for Good. Risha's an entrepreneur and mother with a simple idea. Make it easy for everyone to eat well and do good. Starting her entrepreneurial journey back in 2013, she brings over 15 years of experience in retail, fashion, and food marketing that she channeled into her own brand. You may have seen Risha on Dragon Zen or CNN making waves in the natural foods industry. Risha, we are so excited to have you on. Let's jump right in. So I wanted to ask kind of as like an initial question, um, in your own words, describe what is Good Food for Good? Okay. Um, So Good Food for Good is all about uh, making it easy for people to eat healthy, right? Like that's what Good Food for Good um, started when I started the company. Um, The name itself tells uh, what it is about. It is about uh, creating good food for people who are looking to eat healthy and um, donating a meal to feed a person in need with every purchase. That's like the big part of our for good. But the for good also uh, includes um, being better for the planet. So all our products are packaged in reusable glass. So for us, Good Food for Good is a brand promise. It's a promise that we make to the consumers that our food will always be good and it'll always be for a good reason. Yeah. And how did it come to life, the idea? Because I, well, even when I was interviewing you for the Shulik podcast, um, you're diving into kind of what happened before starting the company with like your career and everything. So I was wondering if you can shed more light into what you were doing before and how this idea came to life. Yeah. Like, like I can, there are three to four reasons that made me, um, jump into entrepreneurship from a career in marketing. Uh, First, um, personally, I was a new mom. I was really struggling to feed my own child uh, food, the kind of food that I wanted to feed her that was made with fresh wholesome ingredients because I had 20 minutes after work to feed her, (laughs) to bathe her, to put her to bed. It's a common problem that all mothers go through. So I was not the only one struggling. But for me, the challenge was I grew up in a house where food was cooked from fresh ingredients three times a day. So for me, accepting the shortcuts that were loaded with things that I didn't call food was very difficult. So I went to like major mom guilt, right? Like as all parents, we want to do better than what our parents did for us, for our children. That's you know, just the how generations uh, work. Um, so major mom guilt. Two, I, before joining General Mills and marketing or food marketing, I worked actually in fashion. Mm-hmm. And I left fashion to do my MBA. So I went to Shoe Lake uh, and switch industries because I was feeling like I needed to do something more meaningful. Fashion was no longer fulfilling me. I felt like there was a, a, a bigger purpose that I need to fulfill that I'm not able to do when I am, you know, fighting for thread color and the button color and the shirt color matching all together or not, right? Um, so I did my MBA and I switched to food. And then 
so there was a purpose reason why I was in food industry. I thought food everybody eats. So if I am part of that industry, I would be making a difference in many lives. However, um, the time period that I was in the food industry, this information about how processed food is bad for you kind of was getting everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? Um, How preservatives, too much salt, too much sugar, what it's doing to our health. Mm -hmm. The fact that 20% of world's uh, deaths now could be linked to a bad diet, right? It's no longer things that we don't, you know, we don't have a cure of. Like this is a very simple cure. It's our lifestyle that's, that's, you know, uh, leading to 20%, which is one in five deaths wow. are linked to just our lifestyle, right? It's not a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and and on the other side, like 10% of the world's population still didn't have enough food to eat, right? So the, it was the combination of multiple factors that were playing in my head at that time. So when this idea came to me of, hey, you know what? There is nothing in the market that I could buy my child and feed my child. There is nothing that's giving back. There is so much food problems happening. And I tried to solve it internally. I tried to be the champion and, you know, present um, uh, presentations about how we can change the ingredients from like Betty Crocker's ingredients to what I thought they should be. Um, But it wasn't working, Mm -hmm. right? It's very hard to maneuver a big ship from inside. Um, you know what? So when this idea came, I just felt like I was in love again. Mm-hmm. I felt there was something that would allow me to make that meaningful difference that I've been craving to make for a long time. And rest is history. I was going to say, because your products, it's really unique because they're sweetened by dates, right? Like a lot of your products. So how did you, one, come up with that? And then two, like, how was the process of finding like a really obviously healthy alternative, but it tasting really good? Was that like a long process to figure that out? Totally. Um, So our ketchup took actually six months to develop because I was using children as my taste (laughs) tester. So (laughs) I love that. Um, The most honest critics sometimes. Totally, they are. And you can, you know, as adults, when we know something is healthy, we are ready to compromise on our taste Mm -hmm. because we know it's healthy, right? We're like, no, no, no. You know, this tastes just fine because it's better for me. I'm going to eat it. But you can't get a four-year-old or a six-year-old or a 10-year-old to eat things just because they're healthy. Like that just does not fly with them. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was very important, right? Like healthy eating doesn't, need to be only for adults once they understand what healthy is. Healthy food should be for everyone, right? And we need to break that taste barrier that people have today when they think, oh, it's healthy, it might not taste good because, you know, they've been burned so many times. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) You know, buying things, trying it, and and especially for kids, they're like, oh, I eat it, but I don't think my child will eat it. Yeah. So we we did, and I I don't say 100% of kids would like it, you know, if that was the case. There is no product in the world yeah. that 100% of the population has. Oh yeah, 100%. So, so, right. But but we wanted to make it in a way that 
kids enjoy it as much as adults do. Yeah. How'd the date though come up? Like, was it, do you, did you previously use dates in like your diet a lot? Like, how did you come up with, because now actually it's more common. People I feel like are now incorporating that into products by sweetening things by with dates. But I'm sure when you started, it wasn't as common of like a practice. So I was wondering like, how did you come up with like a date to sweeten it with? Yeah. So when, when I started the company, I was doing farmer's markets, right? And at that time I was using very small amount and ketchup was not there. Ketchup did not exist at that time. I was using very small amount of, uh, uh, organic turbinado sugar in my sauce. Mm -hmm. And I met this lady, um, at the farmer's market who was like, Oh no, all sugars are the same. Doesn't matter whether it's organic or not. You know, you shouldn't have any sugar in your food. So then I started thinking, I'm like, what is the sweetener that I can use? Because because you, you need that little sweetness, right? Like, it just makes mm-hmm. us happy. I think sugar makes us happy. Sweetness yeah. makes us happy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, We're wired that way. You're right. Exactly. Exactly. So I looked at what are the alternatives and almost every other sugar substitute that I researched, whether it's stevia, whether it's monk fruit, monk fruit was not there at that time, but stevia was there, monk fruit I researched later, Um, xylitol, all of them had so many side effects that just did not work with my philosophy on food, right? So then I researched on, you know, what fruit is there that does not have a lot of flavor on its own Mm -hmm. and dates is just like a perfect substitute for that right it doesn't have a strong flavor like a banana or an apple or a pear it's sweetness Mm -hmm. um and that's what we needed right it's a sweetener it's a thickener um and at that time actually there was no i couldn't find a source that was selling organic dates so in 2017 when i could actually source organic dates is when i went for organic certification and that's when we started scaling the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as you said, right, dates weren't that popular. No, now they're so popular. It's like the the avocados, yeah. right? Like it's the buzz, like everybody, it's either dates making things with. I do with like the dipped chocolate and peanut butter and like sea salt. And then it's like the avocados, like everyone loves dates now. But like at the time, it probably wasn't exactly. the case, right? Like you'd have to like educate people because they're probably thinking like, sweetened by a date like ew that's kind of gross and then when they probably try your product it's like oh never mind like this it doesn't if anything it could taste better than like the products that they're used to i've got to say like i'm so thankful that you explored other alternatives to like refined sugars because like as you were saying like when you're a kid and stuff like of course, like your your palate isn't totally ref- totally refined. It's not the most sophisticated thing, but you know you're figuring out what you like, and you're also figuring out like what works for you. And looking in my own household, you know, it's I wish we had your products like 20 years ago because you know I think my mother as well kind of explored similar similar challenges and stuff like working mom and stuff trying to find like the best ingredients and stuff the the most accessible things she can use for her for her to like growing hungry children and what we didn't know is that in our family we actually have a lot of food allergies and for a really really long time right like it's we looked everywhere else and stuff to help to start solving problems internally not realizing that sometimes the best way is to start really simple and start eliminating yeah. really, really complicated ingredients because you're right there for a lot of these types of ailments, there isn't a cure, but eliminating yeah. some of the harmful stuff, eliminating 
some of the the triggers that we don't totally understand yet is our first step forward for health is our first step in reclaiming like okay what are how can i fuel my body with things that are going to help make me work help me thrive and i'm just so grateful that you that we have this now i'm i'm glad it's helping that that you know that's what i when people question like people because our brand stands for so many things right Mm -hmm. like they're plant-based they're organic it's no added sugar and and it has no corn no soy no nuts uh no wheat so when people ask me that question on but who are you targeting i'm like this is i'm targeting a community Mm -hmm. who wants to eat clean Uh, i remember when my daughter was little, I would go to organic section and the only two things I saw there in terms of sauces, three things, was a salsa, which was also not very clean. It had sugar added to it, uh, a marinara sauce and a soy sauce mm-hmm. and a soy sauce alternative. There wasn't anything, even till date, there aren't many things that if you're really looking to eat clean without the sugars, without dairy, without, you know, wheat or nuts and Things are just, there aren't that many options. So you are left to cook everything from scratch or just eat plain, boring food every day, right? So so I my purpose of Good Food for Good was for people, who, and, and those people actually don't even eat out as much. So they don't have those options outside too, right? So it is for people who are choosing to, to take that simplicity path of eating simple, but still need flavor. Right? Yeah. Like food is beyond just nourishment it's so much about flavor and enjoyment yeah i love products that allow you to share experiences with with everyone else you know like it it is a it's a sad moment when like especially when you think about like experiencing lockdown of we spend all this time inside and then we finally want to get together or we finally want to be able to join our friends at say a restaurant and you come to the table and you realize that yeah sure we, we order fries but i can't experience the same the same experience as all my friends do. But but now I can bring a product and I can have the a same experience or if not a better one, just as my peers have. No, totally, totally. I think it's so important to feel feel comfortable, right? In your own skin, right? Like you this is who you are, this is what you need. And if it's not available, you make it happen. You know, that's that's where we went. Hundred percent. And I think um, pivoting onto, because I know you were on Dragon's Den, which is pretty cool. I was watching that episode. Um, I want to ask you some questions around, um, I guess, like your time on the show. So, because I think it's also important to like, you'll see a lot of businesses going on Dragon's Den. But for me, I was always so curious, like, well, what was the process like? You know, how did you feel like in the show, were you intimidated? Um, like, take us back onto kind of like before you were on the show and like the process getting on the show. Yeah. So, um, the for us, it was a little different. So, the production production manager, I think that's what they're called. I think. Yeah. <laughs> they they reached out to us because uh, Desjardins, as a bank, was sponsoring a segment for social entrepreneurs. There aren't many in Canada. So they reached out to us and asked us, hey, if we would like to audition Mm -hmm. uh, because they want to do feature on social businesses. Uh, So I went, we we weren't even thinking of 
I think they were not supposed to be in country. So I told them, I'm not really sure if I can make it to March 31st when they actually had the mm-hmm. um, auditions. But uh, but if I am, then I'll walk by. It's like, it's okay. if Even if you don't, then come later and we'll audition you later. Yeah. So anyhow, we were there on March 31st. We came a little early from Vancouver. We were in Vancouver earlier that month. Um, and me and my daughter, we walked in. It was in downtown Toronto somewhere in like a... CBC building, CBC building. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we went and we just gave them the simple information about, hey, do you know how much sugar there is in ketchup? Like one tablespoon of ketchup has more sugar than a Chips Ahoy cookie. Yeah. And then Rhea jumped in and say, she's like, do you know? So that statement, that's all that we said is like, yes, you're in, you know, let's make this happen. Um, oh, wait, so you pre-auditioned that. I was going to say, so you pre-auditioned before you got onto with the Sharks. Oh, yes. yeah, that's how okay. it always works. Okay. So you have to pre-audition and then they, they pick few. Yeah. They don't take everyone who auditions. They pick a few and then from there, they then um, uh, shoot, you know, in a month or two after that. So you have that time to prepare. Um, so we, of course, practice our pitch, blah, blah, blah. Um, I know my heart was pounding <laughs> so hard when I was about to enter the desk. going to say, but you seem <laughs> so, so like calm me. though. Like I looked, I was like, I would be <laughs> nervous and like not sure what to do, but you seem so like calm and like collective and just like very professional. Oh so I admire you for that. <laughs> Thank you. My, my heart was beating so fast, seriously, because now they've changed the set, but the older set, you have to walk through this oh tunnel God. and then there's a door before you walk. So the second we were like right outside the door, I I was hearing my heart beat so loud. And I was asking people, like, are you hearing this door? Is it just me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my heart felt like it's going to jump out of my chest. Uh, but then once I was in the room after the first 20 seconds, I was fine and comfortable. And I remember someone told me, I don't know if that's true. I mean, the, my manager, one manager in general told me, it's like, you're like a duck. Uh, you could be, you could be uh, like really struggling inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, your persona stays calm. Yeah. I was like, before that, nobody had ever told <laughs> no but it's right like, oh, maybe yeah it's true maybe like you seem very like calm very composed which i mean it's a great skill to have obviously like running your own business and when they when you know you're under pressure for a lot of things but um okay so you got onto the show you like gave your pitch did you go into there expecting to give a certain amount of like equity for capital like what was that because like obviously they're negotiating and and they want the best deal you want the best deal so what was that process on like settling for because i think what was it you it was 200,000 for 30% with both the sharks so we so, so just before i went to the show i spoke to um a colleague who had been on the show and and he was very nice he told me gave me one advice that worked so much in my favor He's like, at, in the show, you can say no right after. Like, it's a show. So treat it like a show. Ah. Because you can say no to whatever you agree on on the screen the second you walk out of the door. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so what we were doing was putting a show. And he's like, ah. no matter what valuation they gave, just take it. Then you shake hands. 
it looks to the viewer as if you, yeah. you know, won as if there was a game show. Yeah. But uh, but that but that's how people see. Like this is this is an inside talk. So you know, uh, maybe if you want to slice a bit, you can. But yeah. I don't want dragons then. No, 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 no. Uh, to then come complain. No, no. no. I mean, I've heard the opposite way too, where people have made deals and like they want to follow through, and then the dragons ended up ghosting them. So I've heard it actually from that end as well. So I can and and at the end of the day, it is a show. Um, it is a show. Yeah. Okay. So it was done for PR. Like for us, it was publicity. Okay. Um, and I think that's how people should go in Dragon's Den. Um, that's not how you raise money. Yeah. On TV. Yeah. That's there, there's so much that happens behind the scene. There is so much financial details that happens. It's a show, and you need to see it like a TV show. Yeah. Even on a TV show. Yeah. That's it. Oh, that's super interesting. <laughs> well, especially because I don't know how it specifically works because obviously I've never been on. Um, I just like watch it on TV, but um, that's interesting how that works. I think that's how it should be kept. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. No, I get that. I get that. Okay, cool. Yeah, all the, sh- all the shows that you see, any reality TV show as well, it's a show. Yeah. It's meant to entertain. Yeah. The stories they choose, the way they edit, it's all meant to entertain. That's the purpose of a show. Yeah. To entertain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. It's not a documentary. 100%. 100%. But then you see it end up like the sharks that end up do investing and like their stories and whatever success or failure stories behind that. So sometimes... That's also a show. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there, there you go. There you go. Clearly, I, I've no, clearly, I've never been on Dragon's Den before, so I have no idea. Um, okay, cool. It's like social media, right? It's always a highlight. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's a show that you have to put. It's not... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm that's glad. cool. I'm so happy that you... That you bring that up and stuff. Because I think for... For our generation, we are often seen as the generation that was raised by television. And television is such like a great yeah. resource and stuff to be able to learn things, but maybe not, <laughs> you know, the gospel when it comes to learning how to like grow and invest in your company. So for like budding entrepreneurs, where do you think is the best place or the best resource to to start learning about building relationships with investors? Good question. Again, investor is a broad term. Uh, once you are running a business, you meet people. I mean, it's, you, you don't build um, anything solo. Now you have LinkedIn. It's a, you know, resource powerhouse for connecting with anyone and everyone you want to connect. Um, so, and, and, and just, I think investment has been glamorized a little too much. Uh, raising money, um, it's, you know, it's been seen as a, you know, the people, the minute people get an idea, they're like, oh, I'm going to raise money <laughs> first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before testing the idea, before showing any, um, you know, market fit. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, and things have, things have gone in different directions. Like you only hear a couple of stories that are successful. For every successful story, there are 200 that didn't make it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so, so I have a very different view on, on investment and raising money. Like I am traditional 
Um, I believe in unit economics. I believe business should be run sustainably. Um, a lot of companies that do raise a lot of funding very early on are have not been in, in product space very sustainable um, because, again, when you have too much too fast, um, things, you know, you, maybe you invested a little too early, too fast. Uh, for some it works, but for most it doesn't. And it takes them years to get back to the unit economics because, you know, you are pretty much the amount of money you're spending on marketing and building sales uh, to acquire a consumer is like 10x of the, the revenue that you're making. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, uh, you know, so, so there are, there are again, it's a more, more complicated issue than what you wanted to know. But LinkedIn, I would say, would be a great resource. What I love about social entrepreneurs is that I think that they do this kind of passing of the torch so well. Relating to uh, earlier about the community and not having to be a sole entrepreneur, being able to find strength in numbers, being able to learn from each other, being able to build together. I think social entrepreneurs have like legacy kind of built into their practice, which I find to be so interesting. So I was hoping to to hear from you, like what does legacy mean to you and how do you feel like that has shaped the legacy that you're building with Good Food for Good? I don't know when I started the company, if I was seeing it as legacy for me, it was for my personal satisfaction, to be honest. Like, I just wasn't happy doing what I was doing. I wasn't happy just doing something for for money. Um, I really, really wanted to do something that helped someone in need. It's just, I don't know where and how it started. It's something that, you know, as I said, in fashion, like, that's what I felt. And I was just fulfilling myself by doing something that I felt meaningful. And I think that as long as we live each day fulfilling ourselves, whatever fulfills us, right? Because I think most people are unkind because they don't feel fulfilled. Like I remember going through like anger and rage because you are just not happy you're not at peace with yourself once you make that peace the world is a better place right with more people at peace versus more people aggravated about everything Um, so for me one was that making myself feel good about living each day Um, two like I just wanted to help people like myself live good each day right like I know one of the reasons for my struggle, the mom guilt, that there were other moms going through that, right? So if I can do something that would make a difference in their life was probably the legacy that I wanted to leave, like if you want to use the word legacy. Um, but in general, right, like the other, the, I, I would say the third point would be um, I was inspired by Tom's shoes. I read mm-hmm. Blake's books on Start Something That Matters. I discovered it during my MBA and I knew if I would ever do something like the, the question is not why are you doing this? But I, I think why aren't businesses doing this, right? Like if you can build a business that's good for you, that's good for the planet, that's good for the community. Why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Right. Like why would you build any other kind of business? Right. Why would you make money selling shit when you can make money 
selling things that makes people's health better, right? Yeah. So, and when you're talking about fulfillment, because obviously you set out to like do something better, to not just kind of stick with the norm of what other people do. Have you reached a point where you feel that you're fully fulfilled in your work or is there constant or like a fulfillment that you're searching for as well? Do you know what I mean? Like now that you're here, you have the brand, are you fulfilled? Like, did you achieve what you set out? So I, I have actually become a little too comfortable. I've <laughs> built my life around my values, right? Like everything I do, um, is around what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've started to think, hey, maybe I need to shake these values. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe I've just become too comfortable. So yes, I'm at peace. I am. I don't think I've ever had this much satisfaction from my work that I have today. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, I am. I would say I, I feel very fulfilled that every day I wake up, um, excited about doing what I'm doing, uh, not feeling that, hey, I should be doing something else. I remember in when I was in my, my last two years when I was going through that phase of, is this what I'm supposed to do in General Mills? Um, I was trying, taking salsa classes. I was trying to play soccer for the first time in my life, right? At 35, I joined soccer league. Um, I was trying to play chess, like do new things because I was trying to find passion. I was feeling so lost inside and unfulfilled inside. There was such a void that I was trying to find things that would Mm -hmm. make me feel passionate about something, light that fire. Um, And now, seriously, I don't do any of that. I do my yoga, I do my meditation. That's it. I think that because everything you were saying in some shape, shape or form, I feel like a lot of people fail. So for example, even with myself, like everything you're saying is exactly how I was feeling. And especially even now too, like coming, it's even a huge problem with like students coming out of school. Cause you work so hard in school and like you're in that sort of vortex. Yeah. And then when you transition out of school, it's like, okay, well what next? You're sort of just, you go with what everyone else goes with a lot of times. So working for those big companies, which I did as well. And I felt exactly like the same feeling. I was just like crying all the time. I wasn't happy. And I feel like I'm still in my version of an exploratory phase. Like, what do I want to do? And for someone like me, who's kind of like, I like a lot of control in my life. It is difficult being lost and and acknowledging that you're in that lost phase. Because especially, you know, when you, you know, like um, map everything out in your life. And now you're in a point where you're like, okay, well, what, what is next? Like, what, what are some things I, I like to do? How do you... How did you, well for you it was the business, but I guess like applying that to maybe people who maybe not necessarily want to like start a business. Um, what's your advice in kind of navigating, I guess, being lost? Just be open. Like I feel, be open to learning, be open to new things because. Like I was reading this book by Sadhguru called Karma. Mm. One of the things he says, and I think he says it in his talks too about this. It's like, I wish for you to not get what you dream of because 
I wish that you get what you have never dreamed of because mm. our dreams and our beliefs make who we are, right? And they are all come from our past experiences. Mm-hmm. So when he says that, he means, you know, be open to what the universe has to offer to you. And it is a journey. Like for anyone who, like the, the, the podcast that I talked to you about, when when I speak to people, Whatever they are doing today that they're finding fulfilling is not what they started with, mm-hmm. right? It's been a journey and you find it. Just do whatever you're doing to the best of your ability. Give yourself, you know, when you do the best, you would know it would result in something. It might not be what you want, but it'll take you somewhere that'll get you what you want yeah. or where you will feel satisfied. So end of the day, that that satisfaction and, and every you know, every path or all these curves that you take, every obstacle that you have, trust me, eventually when you look back and see, you'll see everything taught you or brought you where you are today. Yeah. And and help you stay there or be successful. But just, you know, just a basic thing of whatever you do, just do your best in that, right? Just give your 100%. And things will turn out. It might not be your, you might not know if that's your passion or you'll find your passion through something, but just give your best in whatever you do. Um, and things will turn out and have faith, have faith in yourself. Yeah. Right. Like we, we, we all made it. Right. Yeah. I love that we get to explore almost like both sides of that mountain of when you're beginning that journey of not knowing, you know, where this is going to take you. As well as like once you found that satisfaction, having that clarity at the top of thinking of being able to reflect on yourself and say, maybe this is my time to like shake up my values. Maybe it's, yeah. it's this isn't a matter of like I'm descending this mountain. It is I see a new mountain from the peak of this one, and I'm going to go pursue that or see where that takes me. Totally, totally. I think that's that's what we need to be. We need to be just open, and I think. A lot of our, the, especially the individualistic society, the society we live in, praises us for being like who you are, yeah. right? Like what's your, what you stand for? Like, and sometimes those beliefs is what causes so much um, angst and anger. And, you know, what's happening in our community right now, we are divided over vaccines and or something else. We always find a reason to divide ourselves uh whether it's food now like people are divided on food yeah before like five years ago 10 years ago nobody ever talked about Mm -hmm. this you know uh, uh, the amount we are divided on what you should be eating yeah yeah people have a say in (laughs) everything because exactly exactly i mean what if we all found ways to unite versus divide and i think we are always finding reasons to say how you are different versus you know how we are not so different mm-hmm. and you know just accept the way people are and and be kind right it's just not happening sadly yeah no i totally agree i think there's there's so much power in a dialogue and when we're in a type of society where everybody has a, has a say and can project, you know, their their ideas and their opinions to masses, and stuff, we we kind of lose some of our power by not 
bringing it back into a group and being able to project it to each other, learn from each other, push each other to, to, to choose better options for ourselves, to explore better ideas, to find some type of enlightenment in like the, the toils of the questions that we, that we face every day. I'm, I can imagine stuff like in your journey and stuff like you weren't alone in this and that it's with food revolutions. I always find that there there's you it's so helpful to find those early champions of your product or early champions in your community. Can you tell us a little bit more about mm-hmm. who were the early champions for you? Absolutely. Um, and we have made our brand champion or our persona around that person. Um, so her name is Lisa. Her actual name is Lisa and her persona is also called Lisa. Ah. <laughs> um, so she's, she is so, so, so she's a person who, you know, is full of values, right? Like, who just wants to do good. Is a very kind person, um, and and she tries her best in everything that she do, does to be kind, to understand people, to eat well, to feed her children well. Um, you know, is not about showing off. She's about living well, not living to show so not someone who you know buys shops labels she's someone who would maybe thrift shop uh she's someone who would buy organic plain t-shirt over you know a gucci um (laughs) because labels don't matter for her what she puts inside her body matters for her more. How she treads the planet matters for her more mm-hmm. uh, than other things, uh, than how she looks and how she, um, um, you know, what what other people, what what are the things that other people see as matter, right? What so she drives so in our in our persona, she drives a, a, a Prius um, or something that's you know kinder to the planet, or walks wherever she can, right? Um, she's the person who chooses organic wherever she can. She goes to farmer's markets to buy her food. And this is the person I actually met at the farmer's market. Mm, uh, really? <laughs> so she's a, she's a great champion for our brand. And, um, and since then, we have like a lot of people who are into nutrition who became our brand champions. Uh, people who are, their body is their... Um, you know, so like personal trainers or athletes, um, anyone who really cares about what they're putting in their body, because end of the day, we've realized that this is the only thing we get one body to live our whole life, <laughs> right? If we don't feed it right, if we don't fuel it right, um, eventually something's going to break down, just like in cars, right? If you have a premier car, you put premium fuel. But if we go out and we shop the cheapest food, for our body, which is the only, only thing that we have. We were born with just this. We'll die with just this. Nothing else, right? Everything else is seriously immaterial. Um, mm-hmm. So so, so she, she knows and she understands that. And that's one common thing between all our brand champions. And I try and talk to one of our customers every week, like from social media, like somebody posts about us, I reach out to them and I say, hey, would you like to jump on a call with me? I just would love to know you better. They're very optimistic people too, mm-hmm. which which really, um, you know, makes me very happy to, to feel that, hey, 
our brand is chosen by people who are just optimistic about life. Yeah. They, yeah, they, be, they believe in giving back. They're just trying to do good. And they're not, they're not the, the show off or they're not going by food trend. Oh, charcoal is the new <laughs> trend. Let's have everything with charcoal. Yeah. They're, you know, simple living people who, you know, just want to do good for themselves and leave the planet happy. I love this concept of like this Lisa persona, this Lisa champion, because I feel like that type of champion for your brand, who, who above all else has values like integrity, treating themselves well, treating the people around them well, treating their planet well, like those are the type of people who build the strongest communities because you can rely on those people of not only thinking of what's the choice that they're making impact, the impact of that on themselves, but on their neighbor, on their family members, on yeah. the next generation. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like that is no, I agree. coming back to kind of what we were talking about earlier and stuff like that is such an incredible and powerful legacy that you can yeah. almost rely on bank on stuff like that's going to keep going on. And that's going to be such a great learning tool generation after generation. Yeah. Totally. And it's just the back to basics, right? If the basics are right, if the basics are there that, hey, you food, that's good for you. You don't destroy the planet, right? Like, I mean, everything we we manufacture does use energy, but at least you don't leave it in a worse place than than you started with, Um, you know, by using plastic or, you know, packaging that's not right for you and and help people who, who need help, who you know, we know the world has so many people who could use just a little help from us. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? Like we've been fortunate. We are fortunate. The the world that we live in, the food that we eat, the roof that we have on our heads. Yeah. But not everyone is born like that, right? So. so when I was in school, I had the opportunity to spend some time studying semiotics, which is the relationships of signs and symbols and the way that we use them to create meaning. And so I was curious about understanding like the entrepreneur's choice in their own like symbols and concepts that they feel really encapsulate like the core mission like of their brand. So I noticed that Good Food for Good uses meal metrics to really illustrate the impact that, that you make. Like the big numbers that really, really hit me were like 900,000 Fourteen three hundred nine meals donated, thirty-three million one hundred and two thousand nine hundred ninety-one wow. grams of sugar avoided. Like those numbers are so powerful, and they give you an immediate image in your head of like really the impact of 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 your purchase makes. So, could you share with us? how you settled on this approach and what other storytelling tools that you like to incorporate when you, when you communicate to your customers? Absolutely. Um, I think you described it so well, and that's the reason why we choose the meal metrics, right? Like I, when, when I was not in business uh, (laughs) and looking for businesses who were giving back, I felt very challenging when they just have a CSR that we donated X percentage or we donate X dollars. Like for me, it was very difficult to understand, okay, what does it actually do, right? What does that donation do, right? So so I knew when I was, and also inspired by Tom's shoes, right? Start something that matters because 
he just made it so easy for people to understand. And I think that was one of the reasons for his success is it's so so simple, right? It's not like, hey, 10% of our revenue or profits would be donated. Businesses don't make profit for a very, very long time. That's just the business world. Yeah. So, 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 so I just wanted it to be simple. You buy one, we feed one. So you know exactly how much we sold. That's how much we fed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now that number is over a million meals. So we've sold over a million bottles. Um, Very simple map. And uh, in terms of sugar, we know one serving of a traditional ketchup is four grams of sugar. When you replace it with ours, what is the balance? That's the amount of sugar you avoid it. Uh, when you switch to our product, right? And then we know four grams of sugar is one Chips Ahoy cookie. They've been reconverted. We actually, we actually now say in cookies terms, by using our products, our consumers have been able to avoid sugar worth 17.7 million cookies. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to understand than grams, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so it's all about just making it easy, right? Like, a million plastic bottles that we've been able to avoid by selling a million glass bottles from going to landfill is worth 400 uh, CN towers stacked next to each other. Wow. That's just an easier thing to imagine for at least for Canadians when we talk about CN Tower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then imagining, okay, what does a million bottles together look like, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my so it's just ease of understanding. I feel in storytelling, it's very important. For us, storytelling is actually a little more complicated because the brand stands for so many different like good things and different things matter to different people. Like for some people, it's all about sugar. For some people, it's all about organic. For some people, it's about their diet that they, we are doing. So we actually experiment with messaging one clear message at a time. So even on social media, when we are talking about it, we're, when we're talking about taste, we just we first say taste and then we say no added sugar. Or when we are just talking about sugar, we just talk about this comparison so people can relate to, to that. Uh, I think visual comparisons are very important. Um, when I talk about purpose, my personal struggles help a lot of people understand because a lot of people do struggle with finding their purpose and uh, you know, finding their calling and and just you know being their true self. Yeah. Um, and and I I share my story like how I felt like a misfit. So it's again relating to you um, is what makes a story relatable, right? Like sharing my vulnerable moments, like me feeling like an outsider yeah. in a company. Uh, because I wasn't aligned with my values. So if you feel like that, you know there is. Like, those are the signs that, you know, there is something that you need to do about finding your tribe because we all are happiest in our in our tribes where where we feel aligned, where you don't have to go on an uphill battle for every everything. Yeah, and this actually kind of wraps up perfectly for our last question. Um, something that we, we ask everybody at the end or will because <laughs> you're our first guest but um what's one piece of advice uh what's one piece of advice you give someone who has like a great idea to start a business um but maybe lacks the courage to do so just take the first step and then the second step mm-hmm. and then the third step 
mm-hmm. just one step at a time. Yeah. And even if you are doing like if you're working somewhere and you know start it on side. Side hustle is big today, mm-hmm. right? Like do it on side. Take that first step. Write a business plan, perhaps, or talk to somebody who's doing something similar. Uh, most people, new businesses are actually shared uh, are scared to share their ideas, thinking that somebody will steal it. Yeah. Remember, it's not like ideas are a dime a dozen. Yeah. It's the execution that makes it what it becomes, right? So, mm-hmm. and no one can steal your execution idea because you make it what you make it out of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so just take that first step. Like that's, that's, that's the first step to doing anything. If, if you have an idea, if you want to do something, it's not just about business in general, in life, right? There are things that we want to do. Just take the first step. Yeah. And it does, someone told me one time, it doesn't matter how big the step is. It's just one step at a time. It could be a small step, it could be a big step, but it's just one step. So I really like how you said that. Someone posted this graphic on LinkedIn the other day. There was a ladder with smaller steps and then there's a ladder with bigger, really huge steps. And the ladder with smaller steps, the person reached like much higher and the ladder with bigger steps. Yeah. The person is, you know, still trying to get to the first step. Yeah. It's because the step you make is so, so, so there is beauty in small steps like small small little actions every day lead to a bigger result versus just waiting for the like you know people who are starting to exercise thinking that oh i need to take out an hour to work out every day versus okay 10 minutes just take out 10 minutes yeah you know yeah and and do your workout oh i need to drink two liters of water that's their but they don't even drink a glass <laughs> yeah, yeah. they just have this desire to drink two liters and the two liters look like a mountain. Yeah. But just have a glass at a time. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Oh, I love that imagery yeah. because I think it also helps with like the other side of that coin, which is the fear, the fear of failure of if I take this first step, am I falling? Is my foot slipping down a little rung or that huge, that huge rung on, on the larger, yeah. uh, on the larger ladder and stuff that we, that we imagine. Ladder, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is no failures, right? There are only learnings in adult life. Like in school, you get graded. There is pass and fail. In adult life, mm-hmm. there is no fail. There's just lessons. Yeah. Oh, That's I it. love that. How you worded that. That's actually super right. great. Right? Like we're not in school anymore. We're not in university. Nobody is grading us. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing that cannot be fixed. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. And there is nothing that you can't get to if you but you need to be ready to try hard enough to get it i think that the challenge is most of us give up and which is fine too right like if that's what you want yeah but don't say that you you know you fail you didn't fail you just didn't try hard enough yeah right yeah exactly yeah (laughs) it was not even like a bad thing too like you could fail and that like failure builds character as well like if you just succeeded at yeah, if you succeed at everything you do, are you really oh, learning? lessons. Yes, exactly. But again, it's not about it's not about failure. It's what lesson you learn, right? Like life, when it doesn't give us what we want, it's teaching us something, right? And failure can sometimes sound or be perceived as I'm done. You know, this is this is this is it, or I'm not capable. No, but it just means life's way of telling you that you know maybe you need to do. Take a different 
tour and every everybody's path is different and mm-hmm. see it as a lesson a learning everything is a learning opportunity i'm learning so much from the two of you right now oh i love that in this conversation <laughs> That's amazing. No, you're like bright young women. I mean, it makes me so happy when, you know, I'm guessing you both are in your early 20s, right? You have, you have so, you know, such a long runway ahead of you and you're already so purpose driven. You're already reaching out and doing things beyond just making money and just doing the work you're thinking about those things this early on in life Mm -hmm. you know future of our planet is bright yeah no (laughs) definitely i um i'm really big on the idea of purpose so for even just in my personal life i feel like i've been exploring that spiritually as well so i don't want to just do something and i've done it before just to make money and just for a name but i don't to me it just doesn't fulfill me so I'm on my journey. I know Gab's on her journey. And um, I, I don't know, we just enjoy speaking. And that's also why we do this podcast too, because we enjoy speaking to people like you. We learn so much and it's great to hear people's stories. And and it's nice to hear that process on and how you found your fulfillment, right? Because we're finding ours right now. So it's it's just great to like hear that and, and be surrounded by that positivity and that energy. Yeah. It's, it's just a great feeling. And everybody's journey is, Everybody's journey is different, right? And the, the, it's just enjoy the journey and it is going to be different. And, you know, don't compare. Like I know comparison just seriously kills all the joy on the planet. It's still, some days it does that to me too. And I have to bring myself mm-hmm. back to the point where, hey, it's my journey. Yeah. It's my life. Yeah. My success depends is how I define it, not how someone else defines the success. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then you just, as long as you're happy living every day, you've done the right thing, right? You need to find that joy because once you have joy inside, mm-hmm. you make others happy. Yeah. I love and then that. that's, that's infectious. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right? That was, you pass it on. Absolutely. Yeah. So exactly. where can our listeners and us, where can we follow you on your journey? Um, of course, on Good Food for Good social platforms, on my LinkedIn, Richa um, Gupta on LinkedIn, our website, we do put information out there, goodfoodforgood.ca, and you can support us by buying our products at uh, all our retail partners like Walmart and Whole Foods and Loblaws and Sobeys and Metro in Canada. This was, well, this was great. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Wow. Isn't Risha just the best? Like, what's your takeaway from that conversation, Soph? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, The thing I noticed throughout the conversation with Risha and just even applying it in my own life is that a lot of people now, which I think we're extremely fortunate to live in this kind of generation, really care about the importance of fulfillment. So, you know, rather than just working a nine to five, just kind of putting your head down and, you know, just making your money. A lot of people want more than that, which is extremely exciting and something like I've noticed. Um, And just even Risha following her dreams, it kind of just subconsciously allows people to do the same. And I've even noticed this in my own life. So I recently, you know, quit my nine to five corporate job to work for hashtag paid, which is a startup. And, um, 
I noticed when I did that and, and I had such a positive experience and was talking about that, I even noticed in my own life that a few of my friends who are working jobs at these big companies that they hated, they started to switch. And then when I switched out, you know, people in my old job started to leave the company and, and do their own thing. And it's extremely exciting to see that. And it, it just, it just allows you to be able to do something that maybe you didn't think that you could do before. And it gives you that kind of motivation. So that's something that I've noticed throughout the conversation with Risha. And she just has this like incredible light and energy and it just rubs off on other people. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And it's like, we're taught how hard transition is and we're taught how Mm. challenging evolution is. But I don't think we do a really great job at teaching people like how that, when you do take those steps to like transform and make a change, that fulfillment fuels you every single day. And that's why it's so worth it. That's why that, that the pain of making making a decision to leave what you're doing and pursue what you're passionate about is is worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I wonder what my outlook on life would have been if in my childhood I got to meet mission-based founders like Risha. Mm-hmm. Looking at my nieces and nephews like growing up, like I really do envy this younger generation who get to walk into a grocery store and learn something more that goes beyond like the colorful pictures and like fancy packaging that like we grew up with. That grocery store experience is like a library now. You can mm-hmm. learn about your food system. You can learn about what ingredients go into your food. You can learn about how this is helping you, what it means to put this mm-hmm. in your body and how you can help other people in the process. I think that's such an incredible experience that I love for the generations to come. And I know for our generations, it's we're still kind of stuck in some of our ways of like what was convenient or what we're used to. But like, it's such an exciting time to learn about what is innovative and what is better and how we can take better care of each other. And I'm just so excited Mm -hmm. for for what's to come down Risha's like pipeline and for other all the other, you know, like mission based founders out there trying to make a difference. Yeah, and it really is too with like, even with the rise of social media, I mean, obviously we're a creator marketing company, but even using, you know, creators, influencers to get that message across and to speak about their personal experience, I think it just helps in that educational factor and just, you know, gets like the name out and and the education out. And I, I think that's important. Yeah, like a lot of people don't really even like pay attention like what they eat. I feel like a lot of times we sort of live in this weird like matrix where we just kind of put our heads down, just kind of get through the day and we don't really think about other things because, you know, sometimes we don't even have the capacity to think about those things because we're so stressed and wrapped up in our own lives. And um, it's really important because like a lot of these things, like even the importance of food, I've been studying food lately and it's funny because like a lot of these foods, like you don't even understand like some of it can contribute to inflammation and, and, and diseases and you don't even pay attention like, oh, I'm just, you know, eating my fries and ketchup. But yeah, that ketchup has a crap load of sugar in it and it's probably not great for you. And you don't even account it kind of that you're eating it. You're more just thinking, oh yeah, I'm eating fries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Like I'm thinking about their products and stuff and even the way that they're made and, made and like the amount of plastic and like waste and stuff that they save. It's I look at my own pantry and I like, I don't want to say I'm ashamed to admit it and stuff, but like <laughs> I have one of those like ketchup stores of just like all oh those God, little yeah. packets and stuff that you, that you hold on to and stuff. And like, it's, it's a weird way of eating because it's not intentional eating, right? It's yeah. kind of like just mm-hmm. in case eating is 
just for now eating. Do you really end up eating it? Do you really end up enjoying it? I feel like with Risha's kind of approach of like intentional ingredients and like intentional consumption, intentional eating and stuff, like it elevates that experience. It makes, it ensures that you use up your products and you feel good about like what you're putting in your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then no, my kitchen is probably going to look a hell of a lot better. So mm-hmm. ditch, no, exactly. the, ditch the stray ketchup packets. Yes. No, I think there's a lot to learn in that episode and just like a lot to take away. So um, super glad we had that experience to talk to her. Um, yeah, so that was our first episode of the D2C Growth Show. Excited to, you know, see who else we bring on. There's a bunch of other people in the pipeline that we're excited to bring on um, in the near future. So that's all today that we have for you guys. Um, stay tuned for the next episode where we'll have another amazing guest on the podcast.